At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. The numbers told the story they always do. This is a numbers game with Gil Alexander on v one of those idiots who believe in analytics. Good Thursday morning to you. It is a numbers game at Visa, the sports betting network, Visa.com, the Visa app, Fubo, Sling, Gay Plus, iHeartRadio, YouTube TV. It's all proudly brought to you by BetMGM Nevada. Gil Alexander, Jeff Parlay here as well. Jeffrey, Bill Krakenberger, unscripted, hour number two today. He's at the RBC Heritage. This dude is like Mr. Golf now. He's in Hilton Head, South Carolina, so we'll talk to uh, Bill from South Carolina a little later on the show. Will Hill from the New York City cast at Navi Will Hill. We'll talk NBA and Major League Baseball with him. Also, NFL Draft with Will Hill. That's coming up later this hour. Uh, and, uh, and next segment, and Jeff, this is the good part. Are you, are you more excited for segment two than anything you've ever been excited for? It was something that when you sent me <laughs> what you wanted to do for this, I went and looked at the odds and... Something stood out. I'll right. just go with that. There were several that stood out to me. We'll talk about the NFL that DraftKings has put up, NFL Comeback of the Year player awards, and the NFL for this coming season already. And some of these options are, how can I put this? Fascinating. We'll get to that next segment. And I suppose I have to say a word or two about Clayton Kershaw yesterday. Uh, so I will get to that here momentarily. But first, basketball yesterday, the 9-10 games in both the Eastern Conference and the Western Conference. Uh, not much to see here. In case you missed both games, uh, here's all you need to know. You missed nothing. The Atlanta Hawks crushed the Charlotte Hornets 132-103. to That Hornets run that I was expecting, you know, we thought this is a great live betting opportunity. The Hawks will go up, then the Hornets will streak back, and then the Hawks will go up again. Nope, never happened with the Hornets. Hawks win it by 29. 29. Hawks get it done. 132 to 103. That eliminates the Hornets. By the way, Miles Bridges uh, going out with a storm, getting upset about a goaltending call late, almost charged the ref. Then, uh, Tried to slap a fan's hand out of the way or something. Threw his mouthpiece. Hit a little girl. Nice job, Miles Bridges. Uh, Hawks win it. So the Hornets are eliminated. Hawks then, by virtue of that win now, get the opportunity to take on the Cavaliers tomorrow in the game for the eighth seed and the right to play the Miami Heat in the best of seven NBA first-round series. The Hawks are now three-point favorites. Are we surprised by this? Or is recency bias that unbelievable? Or, or do you believe, or do you think that's right as justified? I would have expected Atlanta to be one. I would have I, expected Cleveland to have been a tick of a favorite. Yeah, I, 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 I expected this to be either from anywhere from Cleveland one to Atlanta one. Three seems a little aggressive. With that said, I don't want to take the and and that said, also it's one of these things where if I said okay, besides the Nets, besides the Brooklyn Nets, if I asked the question, which of the teams? in their entirety involved in the play-in, could you see making noise in a first-round series? Some people might say T-Wolves. Some people might say Clippers. I think a lot of people might say the Atlanta Hawks, given their ability to get, get streaky on offense. Hawks favored by three in the game for the eighth seed tomorrow night in the Eastern Conference. And then last night, in case you missed the 9-10 game in the Western Conference, 
Well, that didn't have much drama either. The Pelicans get it done against the San Antonio Spurs. So both of the teams that were in the nine position knock out the teams that were in the 10 position. So Greg Popovich, maybe his final game as a coach. We don't know. 73-year-old Greg Popovich and the Spurs lose 113-103. to 103. At least the Spurs made it kind of close at the end. They got within six, made it a little interesting, but never got closer than that. Pelicans get it done 113 to 103. Still no Zion for the Pelicans. Uh, his stepdad says, we'll see him this year. Well, we got one more chance to see him. Friday night, Clippers and the Pelicans for the eighth seed in the West for the opportunity to play the Phoenix Suns in a best of seven. First round series, Clip Show favored by four. Seems about right to me there. Yeah, that seems right. My, my only takeaway from New Orleans and San Antonio because I think I've watched watched the Spurs before last night maybe three times the entire season. I'm going to revise what I said about the Lakers missing the play in with LeBron. It's not even a doubt it's the most impressive <laughs> feat in the, the history Spurs, of sports. After that Spurs, Spurs team is terrible. Well, it's, terrible. It's and DeJounte Murray had a bad night last oh, yeah, night. That, I, I'll acknowledge that. Yes. Yeah, he had a bad night. But it, it really is like when you look at the starting lineup, you're like, oh, wow. This team beat this beat this. Beat the Lakers for the number 10 spot? Wow. Uh, but they're done now. By the way, Pop Pop doesn't look he didn't look that in he didn't look that invested in the game late, did he? It's kind of how he's looked this is what it, the it's last his, it's few years when his team hasn't been as good. Yeah. But I you know what I, I my memory was triggered when he didn't commit that foul late in a playoff game a couple years ago. Or was that last year? I don't even remember. A lot of those late game situations for me. Uh, but we'll see the great Greg Popovich if that's his last game or not. So it is the Clippers by four in the game for the eight seed tomorrow night in the West. It's the Hawks by three in the game for the eight seed in the East tomorrow. All right, uh, a few minutes on the Clayton Kershaw thing. And I'm curious to hear what your opinion is on this too, Jeff. So Clayton Kershaw, 80 pitches yesterday, in case you missed it, 80 pitches. Uh, he goes seven perfect innings against the Minnesota Twins. Dodgers winning the game seven to nothing. And he and Davey Roberts had a conversation, according to both of them, before the seventh inning, where Davey Roberts asked Clayton Kershaw, hey, uh, just, you know, he check, uh, how much more you got in him? And Clayton Kershaw was like, I want to go out for the seventh inning, uh, but about 80, 85 pitches, that's kind of what I'm comfortable with. And so he got to the seventh inning, he, he got it done, he got to the 80 pitch count, and then Dave, Davey Roberts pulled Clayton Kershaw. So the chance at a 24th perfect game in the history of Major League Baseball which has logged over 220,000 games played. The chance for just a 24th perfect game is arbitrarily tossed by the wayside. Now, I, my level of outrage on this, let's not get crazy. Like, my needle's not pinned. But I, I do think the people that are countering this are, are missing the point on this. And a lot of smart people are not bothered by this, right? SVP, not bothered by it at all on SportsCenter last night. Uh, the great Elihu Foistel, who I feel is the smartest man alive, when it comes to sports betting, uh, he said they were. He he says to me on Twitter, he said they're using math to win more games. All right, that's that's all great, and I understand it. If Clayton Kershaw is not upset by it, well, you know you have to you have to tamper down your level of outrage. But here's my point on all of this: we, those of us who who love baseball and are upset about this yesterday, we get all that. By the way, let me just say about Elihu's comment: you're using math to win more games. Pythagorean theorem. Archimedes' principle uh, and Clayton Kershaw's pitch count on April 13th as a, as a function of total Dodgers wins the 2022 season. I guess I missed the part. Uh, I guess I missed the part where pitch counts as it relates to injury probability became a trend in a true science. I'll just say that about that. But let's say you even buy into that and you're like, okay, well, 
yeah, I get that they played baseball that way for decades and decades, but now, hey, listen, Gil, it's all about load management in basketball, and it's all about pitch count in baseball, and we got to just save guys from injuries. Look, here's the deal for those of us who loved, notice I put the D at the end, but who also love baseball and want baseball to be a thing. The, the only thing that baseball has at this point, not the only thing, but one of the, tr- one of the main things that baseball has over all of our other sports is this nod to history, this nod to amazing personal feats. Baseball, after all, is an individual sport disguised as a team sport. What stops us in our tracks on primetime action? I'll tell you what stops us in our tracks. When Vlad Guerrero goes up the plate and hits a solo shot, and then he follows it up with a two-run shot, immediately we get out of our sports betting minds, and we're like, wow, is he going to hit the home run cycle? which has never been done in the history of baseball. Then when we realize he's not going to do that and he hits his third homer, wow, is he going to have a chance to go for the rare four-home run game? Every time Jacob deGrom is on the hill for the Mets when he was not hurt, we would sit there and say, oh, man, this is what is he going to do tonight? This is going to be incredible. Now, the notion that certain players are more susceptible to injuries than others, okay, again, gray area. You don't know what that probability is. I don't know what that probability is. But when you rob baseball fans of the chance at really hallowed historical marks, you are robbing them of what they love about baseball in the first place. And that's the point. And if you're trying to grow a sport that, let's face it, is dying a very slow, painful death, with younger generations especially, and you're managing to alienate those of us who love baseball and have loved it for a long time by arbitrarily just, you know, dismissing uh, these possibilities, these opportunities when they come up, that's where it becomes an issue. And that's the point of all of the Clayton Kershaw outrage yesterday. We get your pitch count stuff. We're not that stupid. We get it. But what do we have if we don't have this in baseball? Jeff, I'm curious, because you're of a younger generation, I'm curious what your stance is on it. Oh, I, 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 I thought it was unacceptable to people who love the game that that happened yesterday. To go on my past sports radio, regular sports radio talk hat there, Gil, because Clayton Kershaw has done everything in the sport except throw a perfect game. And I understand he's coming off a, a significant injury that cost him a good chunk of last year. It was even a question of will he ever pitch again going into this year. But, Gil, that just felt like we, we were ro- we, a lot, every baseball fan was robbed of potentially the best pitcher of this era completing basically every major thing a pitcher can do. And to get... A perfect game yanked away because of eight. He's throwing too many pitches at eighty pitches. It's one thing if you throw one hundred and thirty in seven innings. Right. It was eighty. 80. And you're telling me if the other two great all-time pitchers in this era, Scherzer and Verlander, had an opportunity like that, they ain't coming out of the game. Of course they're, they're not. not coming out of the game. Of course they're not. That's the thing, right? It just happened to be Kershaw, who, by the way, some Dodgers fans will tell you, or is all about himself in, in lots of moments. Uh, I know some Dodgers fans who would say that. 
Um, by the way, Jason Weingarten's take on this, who's not on the show today, but he, he, his whole thing is baseball has shown us in so many ways this first week of the season how none of this early season stuff matters. You were talking about your the Buck Showalter thing where he's just like throwing in relief pitches. Like, it, this it, game doesn't it, matter. This first t- seven days, yeah. it's been glorified spring training that the games have just counted. That's all it's been. Once in a lifetime moment by the wayside due to pitch concern. Okay. We can all agree to disagree on that. We're coming back. You'll love this. NFL Comeback Player of the Year market. Ooh, this is going to be fun. Next on a numbers game at Visa, the Sports Betting Network. It's time to download Nevada's premier sports betting app, BetMGM Sports. BetMGM with all your favorite wagering options, along with in-game betting, boosted odds specials, and much more. Download the BetMGM app today and stop by any MGM casino on the Strip with your state-issued ID to open an account and start placing sports bets from anywhere in Nevada. Whatever your sport, whatever your betting style, you're going to love BetMGM state-of-the-art technology and fan-friendly specials every day of the week. Visit BetMGM for terms and conditions. Must be 21 or older and physically located in Nevada. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call one 800 522 4,700. Michael Montesano, who was the uh, Circa Booby Prize winner a couple years back, and uh, we were hanging out during Bet Bash. He just sent me this tweet from Fergie Jenkins, the great Ferguson Jenkins, who tweeted, not even if I had a broken arm and had to roll the ball over the plate, am I leaving a perfect game in the seventh? Uh, we get tweets at Beating the Book. Uh, Phil Weiss sent me this this tweet about, uh, or this story about how Juan Marichal and Warren Spahn, <laughs> Marichal threw 227 pitches and spawned through 201 in a game back in the day. I'm not advocating that, but I totally hear you on that. Uh, Danny, pocket underscore 10. Uh, so as somebody who loves the game and its history, are you mad at Davey Roberts for pulling him, or are you more annoyed, mad, disappointed at Clayton Kershaw for acknowledging that he's really only comfortable with 80 to 85 pitches? Both, but the latter more. Joe C714, absolutely agree with your take on Kershaw. Being a Dodgers fan and living in SoCal, I was outraged when he was pulled. What no local talk show has been uh, has mentioned here, if, if you're so concerned with pitch count, why not pull him after the fifth? And we go on and on. Let's go to NFL Comeback Player of the Year. This, this is outstanding. First of all, shout out to DraftKings for putting this up. Let's get that out of the way. Second thing is, I wanted, I wish I were in the room when whoever put these out concocted these, because I want to know how much of it was with a twinkle in his or her eye, what he was doing this, when he, when he or she was doing this. So to, to win the comeback player of the year, which I think should be named after Alex Smith, for God's sakes, uh, next year, and here is, your, here is your list, the short shot, Derek Henry of the Tennessee Titans, who did come back last year for the postseason, He's 3-1. to one. Derrick Henry largely considered the greatest running back in football, but obviously missed, I believe it was not eight games last year or nine, eight or nine. He's, he's at 3-1. to one. Second short shot, Jeff. <laughs> and here's where the shenanigans begin. Second short shot is Deshaun Watson at 4-1. to one. Now, here's the thing about the Deshaun Watson thing. First of all, Let's put aside the fact that he could be suspended for, I don't know, six games, eight games, right? Which is going to probably diminish your chances of on, on, on merit on the field winning a comeback player of the year. But I just want to ask you this. I just want to ask you this. If you're, if you're someone with a ballot on this, 
that has a chance to vote on this award. And let's say Deshaun Watson has, I don't know, let's just for the argument's sake, let's say he has eight to 10 games where he's really good at football next year, right? And you have that ballot in front of you and you're like, oh boy, I, uh, I think Deshaun, should I, should I attach my name to this ballot would say Deshaun Watson? This, this will never get out, right? Uh, yeah. What's he coming? I know he's, what's he coming back from? Alleged. Yeah, I probably shouldn't do that. Here you go. Never mind. I'll go to somebody else. Really? Four to one on Deshaun Watson? Would you do this at 40 to one? I wouldn't do it at 400. <laughs> what I, are we doing? I, I, I understand. I understand. I Whoever was in the room with this, I, I understand where, like, just the regular thought could be from this mm-hmm. because he did miss the whole season last year. Right. And if he's not suspended, could play a full season and the Browns could have a huge year because of him. But then you're forgetting all the factors that you said. I don't think there's any reporter or at least any reporter with a conscience that could vote Deshaun Watson comeback player of the year or any award for that matter, Gil, this upcoming year. Whether it whether convicted of anything or not, it should be pointed out too, right? Because then you still open yourself up to the whole criticism of really you think it you think nothing happened there? Twenty twenty two people. You know, I don't know. I just think four to one is ridiculous. It's, it's wild. It's, it's ridiculous. Wild. Let's add a few zeros to that. Jamison Winston plus 550. All right. Yeah. If Jamison Winston came back, there's a narrative there, right? Where Jamison Winston was a starting quarterback for the Bucks for so many years, was hurt, uh, was on the bench for much of his time in New Orleans. If he came back and he had a tremendous year, okay, maybe. Michael, T- now here's, this is the more traditional definition of comeback player of the year. Michael Thomas at six to one. Michael Thomas, who was at the height of his profession, with his position at wide receiver, then being hurt, and then coming back to glory next year. Six to one. All right. That is the traditional definition of comeback player of the year, if there is a definition, by the way. How about this one? <laughs> Daniel Jones is eight to one. What exactly are we coming back from? Coming back from being bad? I mean, he did get hurt at the end of the year, but still. There, there's a few on Matt, this. Matt Brown said coming back from shame. <laughs> like I mean, what are we doing? Like if he if he, good way to put if it. he fumbles less, is that? I mean, I don't get it. What are we coming back to? Now, Christian McCaffrey is like Michael Thomas. Christian McCaffrey and Michael Thomas to me are the most traditional definitions of comeback player of the year on this. Christian McCaffrey, the most all around, uh, considered the the best all around running back in all of football, correctly so I would say eight to one. Obviously plagued by injuries. Yes, if he were to return to glory, eight to one. He and Michael Thomas make sense in the traditional sense of this award. There are a few guys on this list that make sense. Like Dobbins makes sense. Well, he missed the whole year. Let's get there. Yeah, we'll get there. Mitchell Trubisky, 8-1. to one. I guess because he was the second pick in the draft, he was largely criticized based on that draft position, you know, vis-a-vis his performance. Uh, yeah, I like Mitchell Trubisky. 8-1 to one on Trubisky. Cam Akers, who came back from an Achilles tendon in a Superman fashion, 10 to 1. Really? But Cam Akers? I don't know. I think he already came back. Isn't there? Also, there, there has to be like some sort of narrative. Like, do we consider Cam Akers at one point to be this otherworldly running back where we can say, comeback player of the year? Like, I just don't think Cam, Cam Akers. I, I agree. And that's part of the reason that the next guy on this list. This is, so this is even more ridiculous than Deshaun Watson. Maybe. Travis Etienne is at 10 to 1. 
Now, now, correct me if I'm wrong, Jeff. How many NFL games have you played? Uh, he's played the same amount as I have, which is zero. <laughs> and how many have I played? You've played zero. We're on equal footing with Travis at the end here. He has not played an NFL game. I get it. We love Travis Etienne. Loved him at Clemson. Hated the fact that he got hurt before the season. But he hasn't played a game. I think by definition, you can't win comeback player of the year if you haven't played an NFL game. I, I or are would, we now going back to college with I this? Mean, I mean, I would agree with your definition. He's, he, to me, he should have eligibility for rookie of the year. Because if we're going back to college, couldn't we, like, I mean, some, I don't, it's, no, stop it. J.K. Dobbins. Yeah, you're right. He got hurt. But again, like, J.K. Dobbins wasn't, was he at a height? Like, even in the Joe Burrow case, we got a glimpse of what Joe Burrow was, right, in half a season before he got hurt in Washington. J.K. Dobbins, really? How about Marcus Mariota? That's an interesting one. 12-1. to 1. Marcus Mariota was a playoff quarterback in this league. He's now the the starting the de facto starting quarterback of the Atlanta Falcons. They're going to be trailing in a lot of games. He might be able to put up a lot of numbers. Not a not a terrible yeah. Choice. Even though it's not again not a traditional yeah. one that that if you're looking down this board, that was the one on the right side of the column that really stood out to me was Mariota. I think Thomas McCaffrey and Mariota to me are the most logical. R- Robert Woods, who got hurt with the Rams last year. And couldn't participate in the Super Bowl. He's with the Titans now. He's 12-1. to 1. I mean, I get the narrative, I suppose, but really? Maybe. I mean, if he sets all kinds of records, right? He would have to have, he would have, to have he a would, massive a year. A massive yeah. year. And look, if he has a massive year, he absolutely could because yeah. of the injury. James Winston's the one that stands out to me, That's actually. That's a possibility. Because yeah. significant knee injury... Obviously, everything that came before the knee injury as well, where he was a disappointment in Tampa, that would be the the interesting one on the left side of the column. I, I do have a question for you. Where's Tom Brady? He retired. Right. That was the joke everybody <laughs> was making. Where's Tom Brady? By the way, last two names on that list. Daniil Hunter, the only defensive name on this list at 12-1, to and then Baker Mayfield at 14-1. to And I guess with Baker Mayfield, my whole thing is, isn't he sort of sowing the seeds of this award by being vocal this offseason and saying how disrespected he feels. Like, to me, he's almost fostering the possibility of getting this award. Like, the more he talks, the more this becomes a narrative thing where he's disrespected and can Baker Mayfield return to the heights of being somewhat good? <laughs> like, I don't know how else to say it. Like, what, what is he, the heights of what? Of being the number one pick in the draft? So, I, I mean, so traditionally speaking, Michael Thomas, Christian McCaffrey, just from the levels they were at and all the injuries, those are the two most traditional to me. Jameis Winston, Marcus Mariota as quarterbacks, I think, have a legit shot. The most ridiculous ones on here are Deshaun Watson and Travis Etienne. Yes? We agree we're in that? agreement the whole way through. Yeah. 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 But I will say this again. Good on DraftKings for putting this up. Absolutely. Because it, it, it amuses us to look at this. It gets us talking about it. And if I were in a DraftKings jurisdiction, I might have a bet on one of these. Legit. I might put a little something down on one of these. Good on you. I would love to have been in the room when they were coming up with these names. Let's put Travis Etienne on here and see if anybody bets on it. We'll come back. Will Hill will join us to talk NFL Draft, NBA, and MLB next. 
the numbers game with Gil Alexander on VSIN, the sports betting network. The NFL draft is right here in Las Vegas, and we'll have extensive coverage, including mock drafts from Matt Humans. Michael Lombardi, former NFL GM, will give his draft analysis. VSIN host Mike Pritchard, who was a first round pick, and Sean King, a Super Bowl winning champion, will give you insights on who you can bet on, and of course, legendary sports broadcaster and voice of the Raiders. Brent Musburger will give you his draft best bets in our NFL draft betting guide. Sign up today to get full access to VEASAN through the NFL draft for only $19 at VEASAN.com slash spring. NFL draft two weeks away now, Jeff. Do you feel like the draft is in the air here with the uh, lack of draft props around town? Doesn't feel like it to me. Well, if you drove on Las Vegas Boulevard yesterday going south, you know the draft fever is here. Oh, were they already setting up? Yep. They closed the lane in front of the Bellagio yesterday. Did they? We get tweets. at beating the book. Chris Hartman, Gil Clayton Kershaw coming out of that game yesterday. Was very Rick Vaughn warming up in Major League Two. I'm done for the day. Let's not forget, he isn't a power pitcher. He's a left-handed... <laughs> I'll, I'll leave that word out. He's a left-handed blank thrower. Uh... <laughs> And then he blamed the lockout. Uh, Jeff Staples. Tom Brady, comeback player of the year. Retired for weeks and miraculously comes back and leads the Bucks to another Super Bowl. Rich PSM. Dodger fans know that overuse of Scherzer cost us a World Series last year. Hmm, do you know that? Uh, we're not deep in starters at all. Kershaw especially has a very limited shelf life. If he misses in the ninth, we lose both ways. This is from uh, Len Glow. Gil, you were so right about last uh, last night after about the Dodgers pulling Kershaw. These pitch counts are meaningless because no pitcher knows when his arm will give out. And on and on with that. Uh, a lot of Kershaw replies. And this is uh, teasers and parlays. McCaffrey seems to be the best value at 8-1 to and comeback player of the year. The Panthers, uh, the Panthers were a completely different team after his injury. Agreed with what was said uh, about Thomas and Watson splitting votes last night on primetime action. And Henry coming back last year, not sure I would make him the short shot on that one. Appreciate all the feedback on all the topics we talk about or anything else. Hey, as long as you make me laugh, as long as you make me laugh, you can murder me as well. We, we were doing that last night on the show on uh, Primetime Action. Ladies and gentlemen, he's the host of the New York City cast. And you can follow him on Twitter at NotTheWillHill. That's a the with two E's. It's Will Hill, everybody. How you doing, Will? What's up, guys? That uh, that Rick Vaughn reference, that's, uh, that's a great pull. And I, I've seen both of those major <laughs> leagues. I don't count the third one. The third one's okay. The first two are so funny. Uh, I've seen both of them probably dozens of times. I didn't remember that right away, but I, now I think I remember where what he throws five or six pitches. I'm done for the day. I'm done for the day. day. I'm done for the day. I'm good. All right, man. Let's start with the NFL draft. We'll work our way to your NBA thoughts because you do have picks on both NBA games today. You also have some Major League Baseball picks uh, for today, but the draft two weeks away. Uh, first of all, how many bets do you have in pocket? And let's start with what you have. Not as many as I'm going to have. Uh, it, like you said, two weeks away, it doesn't really feel like it. I don't know if it's because baseball started later, uh, but I started to put a few in. Um, you know, I, I took a little bit Jamison Williams. I see he's eight to one. He was eight to one. Now he's down to five to one to be the first receiver. I still think there's decent value there. Jeffrey might know better than me, but there's some Jets buzz with him at four. There's some Falcons buzz with him. Remember, he was the first people on a lot of these mock draft boards for whatever that's worth before he got hurt. You know what? Maybe he misses a month or two, and it's not as big a deal as we may think. So he's still get him five to one. I think that's interesting. Uh, any sort of Jamison Williams under prop, uh, I'm all over. And I, I don't, think I don't hate, I don't hate the Jamison Williams thing because if you watch, if you watch an Alabama game, right, you're just like. This dude's unstoppable. And how could someone not? And and again, and I love Olave too, 
But every mock draft you see has either Wilson or Drake London, which I'm not really getting, right, going first. And you just, yeah, I just wonder if these teams overthink themselves. By the way, Jeff, what is the Jets buzz right now that you hear? The Jets buzz is that no one seems to know what they're actually thinking. Mm. Okay. Other than the fact that they're going to take a wide receiver probably in one of those two picks. They got two picks. They're among the eight eight teams that have two picks, which also makes this kind of a weird draft, too, right? Because you don't know if it's going to, yeah, if it's going to make a lot of trades happen. Oh, well, we got two picks. Let's, let's trade down with this one. So there's a lot of that. Okay. So, uh, Jameis to go first at wideout. Jameis first wideout selected. What else? Yeah, let me just piggyback to add to that. Your your Brandon Crawford theory with the NL MVP last year is something I always go back to. I think it's so brilliant that, you know what, just somebody who's a neutral observer says, you know what, why isn't Brandon Crawford the MVP? Then out of nowhere, he finishes third. I think we go through some of that with the mock draft. Where yes. We just assume this guy's first in his position because we see all these mock drafts. And somebody comes out of nowhere and picks, you know, some other receiver, some more, you know, some other player that we hadn't heard of. Uh, there's not as much groupthink as we might think with some of these. I, I do. I mean, I, I absolutely think, by the way, the Brandon Crawford thing that Will's referring to is when I went back to San Francisco last year, we're seeing, oh, it's uh, going to be Harper or it's going to be Soto for MVP. And my and my Giants fan friend, very, you know, is not a better. So, hey, so Brandon Crawford's clearly the NL MVP, right? And you're like, oh, wow. He's not as close to the sun as we are. And even though Brandon Crawford's 101, he ends up finishing third. So that that's exactly right with some of this stuff. By the way, I will say this about one mock drafter who we all respect, which is, which is uh, Daniel Jeremiah, who, who did say something yesterday. And I think this is a good North Star to consider when we're betting the NFL draft. And, and his quote was, this his tweet was, he says, when you see the cost of quarterbacks and wide receivers on the open market now, it makes drafting uh, in the first round and gaining five years of control very enticing. If the grades are close, teams are going to lean in that direction. I do think that's a good thing to keep in our heads when it comes to why teams go quarterback crazy, why they go wide receiver crazy in a very pass-friendly league. So just put that in, in, in our heads, I think. You're yeah, down. and we see that with quarterbacks at the end of the first round. I remember Bridgewater, it was a trade up late uh, to take him. You go down the line, you see it a lot at the end of the first round where, you know, you don't want to take a guy maybe 15, 20, but you know what? You don't have a pick uh, late in the first round, but you jump back in, you get that extra year of control. And that's why, I mean, it's it's impossible to predict these trades. Any any mock draft that does trades, it's just it's no, hard to pay attention to that. It is. But the end no. of the first round, that's where you see a lot of them where you say, you know what, this guy's here later than we thought. We're going to jump back in. Lamar Jackson with the Ravens. So um, one thing with the, with the draft, I'm sure you've mentioned, it's always important to have multiple outs. But with this, shop around. You find some arbitrage situations. You find some middle situations. Uh, I saw some quarterback you know, over two and a half first round or minus 175 the other day in some places. I would think we get three in the first round. And again, uh, it, there's just so much variance with these lines with the draft that I think it's so important to have multiple outs in the shop around. You started to say something about Evan Neal, and I cut you off. Oh, yeah. I, I think there's a good chance he goes third. I think he's like plus 380, plus 400 to go third. Uh, again, shop around. But there's some Patriots-Alabama connection. Remember, Casario runs the Texans. Uh, you know, he played at Alabama. There's always, you know, kind of a natural fit there, a natural match. He can play multiple positions on the offensive line, whether it's tackle or guard. So I think there's a, a better than, a, you know, three, four to one chance that Neil is the third pick of the draft here. Here's here's the biggest question. I ask this pretty much of anybody who I talk NFL draft with right now, because I have a bet on over three quarterbacks taken in the first round. 
But this is like completely cut down the middle, just sort of anecdotally who, I, who I'm, you know, listening to and, and seeing. Some people think, oh, three minimum, which is where I am, three, you know, push minimum, four possibility for sure because these teams go quarterback crazy. And then I'm hearing a bunch of people who are, who are smart and they're mock drafters. And I don't know if they're going for clicks right now or not, right? Because we're in that kind of season as well. Like, what can I put in my mock draft to get people to pay attention to mine? Uh, and they're like, nope. Like I saw, Jeff had the one yesterday where three quarterbacks in the top five, which is just insane uh, with this class. And then somebody else I saw on ESPN yesterday, uh, I want to say his name was Jordan Reed, uh, Jordan, okay. he had two in the first 10 and then the third not going to the 40th pick in the draft in the wow. second round. So I don't know where you stand on this now. What do you, what do you believe? I, I'm with the belief. First of all, I'm of the belief of just have an open mind because uh, nothing's a guarantee, especially with these quarterbacks. I could see it both ways where these teams just talk themselves into it. Like usual, I kind of lean that way. And then the other way, like, you know what? Why waste a first round pick? None of these guys are worth it. I do think these teams will talk themselves into it. Uh, I, I'm curious what the three you had. I mean, what we saw corral maybe moving up in some of these corral to six was one I saw, which was a weird one. Yeah. Um, I, I do think we'll get minimum three to, to answer your question. Well, the thing is Willis and Pickett are largely considered to be first rounders, right? Yeah. Based on most of the stuff you see, but then you'll see any, any number of combination of corral gets in there. New Orleans, right? He's paired with them a lot. Uh, the, I saw some Sam Howell love recently yeah. in the first round. And then there's the Desmond Ritter buzz, which we're seeing more and more of where you're like, wow, you don't think a team will take a flyer on Desmond Ritter late first round. So I don't know. I mean, to me, again, the bet was, I think I push minimum. And as long as I have any bet, that's a push minimum, or at least that's how I handicap it. Then bet away, you know, kind of thing. Yeah. There, there's no way to really bet this, but I, if I could, I would, if you're taking Ritter or Willis in the first round, get your resume ready. That would be my bet. <laughs> that would be your bet. Well, Chris Valika, who's as immersed in college football as anybody, he says, anybody who takes any of these guys, top five is just insane, you know? And, and that's not a, that's not a knock on the kids. That's just like, this is an assessment of where this group is based on previous drafts. Like I was, you know, we, we talk about this on primetime all the time. Joe Burrow and Justin Herbert have just completely ruined our perception of what rookie quarterbacks ought to be. Like, if that is now this unattainable standard. That's just the, it's an outlier. It's not the rule, right? It's the exception. And I think other teams are in some ways rightfully. And Garoppolo's still out there. Somebody can get Garoppolo. Yeah. He's better than all these guys, I would think. Don't forget Baker's still out there. But Jimmy yeah. G is out there for sure. We'll come back. Uh, Will has thoughts on both of the games for the number eight seed tomorrow night and some Major League Baseball plays as well. It's a numbers game at Visa, the Sports Betting Network. Action you need is at BetMGM. Sign up now using bonus code VSIN1000. Your first wager is risk-free up to $1,000. When you register with BetMGM, you also get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, player props, and daily boosted odds specials. Plus, 
You'll earn BetMGM Rewards points that you can redeem for room nights and dining at MGM Resorts nationwide. Simply download the BetMGM app today or go to BetMGM.com and enter bonus code VSIN1000 to make your first wager risk-free up to $1,000. Eligibility restrictions apply. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. 21 years of age or older to wager. New customer offer all promotions subject to qualification and eligibility requirements. Rewards issued as non-withdrawable free bets or site credit. Free bets expire seven days from issuance. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Nevada. You excited to see this uh, this new show, uh, this new doc facing facing Nolan or facing Nolan Ryan? I didn't even Look, realize it was coming out. Looks very good. Facing Nolan. It's done by uh, my man Dave Check, who was behind Action. He was also part of the uh, the PGA thing that's coming up. Although I think he pulled out of that. But facing Nolan uh, coming out pretty soon. Looking forward to that. Uh, Will Hill joins us once again from the New York City cast, available where all podcasts are distributed. Uh, we have a couple games tomorrow night in the NBA. Now that we we know who the seven seeds are, uh, but now we have the determination of the respective eight seeds in the Eastern Conference and the Western Conference tomorrow night, beginning with the Eastern Conference game, 7.30 Eastern, 4.30 Pacific, between the Hawks. And, of course, the Cleveland Cavaliers with the Hawks favored by three. The total is 225. What do you think here? Before I, I get to that, can I ask you, Nolan Ryan, underrated, overrated, or properly rated? Uh, properly rated. Okay. I know he's kind of uh, polarizing because he pitched forever, threw 100 miles an hour. But other people say, you know, he lost, I think, more games than anybody, walked a bunch of people. So I think he was he was probably finishing up by the time I started watching. So I didn't watch too much of him. Yeah, pro- properly rated because he didn't have like 383 strikeouts in a season. Like, I mean, some of the numbers are just unbelievable. He did end up with over 300 wins, though, right? So, and he would have pitched with 80 pitches, I think, yesterday. Let me tell you, you would have had to have taken the rest of your team to pull him off the mound yesterday for yeah, sure. He would have Robin Ventura you if you tried to take him out of that game. There's no doubt. How many no hitters uh, did he have? Seven no hitters or something? Yeah, I think it was seven. Yeah, seven no, no perfect games, though. Seven no hitters. Yeah. Incredible. Uh, I play the under in both of these games tomorrow. I just think, you know what, game seven's in the NBA, and this is pretty much a game seven. Pace slows down, more deliberate on offense. Defense is a little more intense. So uh, Hawks under 225 with the Cavs, and I, I lean towards the under with the Clippers and Pelicans. Still trying to figure out how the Clippers blew that game and blew that cover on Tuesday night. That was a uh, a Clippers-esque collapse, but I do like the under in both these games just uh, because, you know, sort of the circumstance of the game, I think, favors the under here. All right, Hawks-Cavs is uh, 225, Pelicans-Clippers 216. Will likes the under on both of those games for the eighth seed. Now, uh, obviously, Saturday, by the way, is when the uh, first round officially begins in the NBA playoffs. And by the way, quadruple header on Saturday, beginning with the Jazz Mavericks at uh, 1 p.m. Eastern, 10 a.m. Uh, 10 a.m. Pacific. I almost said specific. Jazz favored by four and a half. Again, no Luka as far as we know there. And who knows when Luka will return. T-Wolves, Grizzlies. Grizzlies favored by seven and a half. Follows that in the uh, 2-7 game, in the uh, 2-7 first game of the Western Conference. Or I should say the first game of the 2-7 series in the Western Conference. Then it's to the East. Raptors, Sixers. I've got Raptors series bets there in the uh, 3-6 in the East. Followed by the Nuggets and the Warriors. And it looks like... Looks like we're reading the tea leaves that Steph Curry may show up for game number one. Any series thoughts on any of those or any other series we didn't mention or any any game thoughts on any of those? 
I think I'm with you on Sixers Raptors just in terms of, boy, I, I liked the Raptors originally. It was a week ago today. Remember, it was opening night in baseball. They played and the Raptors beat them. And then everyone started to say what I'd kind of been thinking, which is, boy, this is a dangerous matchup for Philly. They throw a lot of wings at hard and they're athletic. They like to run. Bad matchup, uh, you know, for Philly. But now everyone's picking Toronto. It's kind of scared me off. Yeah, yeah that's kind of scared you off. And Embiid is still the best player in the series. Toronto can't really shoot. I mean, I, this is not the 98 Bulls, the Raptors here. I would think Philly wins a long series. So uh, to me, I would need more on Toronto. Look, I wouldn't be shocked. You never trust Doc Rivers. You never trust Embiid, Harden. You just, that, that seems like a combustible situation. But I do think Philly sort of gets by Toronto. And that's not a terrible side of the bracket to be on with Toronto. And then, Miami, and I should have mentioned with Atlanta, I think Atlanta beats the Cavs, and I kind of think they give the Heat a series. Remember, they were a five seed last year, two wins away from the finals. Uh, I think that maybe goes six or seven, which is kind of a cop-out. It's not like I'm picking them to beat the Heat, but I think that could be a dangerous series. Um, I I'm looking to lay the games with Memphis. I think Memphis beats Minnesota in five. I just think they have a huge advantage on the glass. I don't think you know Minnesota will be able to rebound with them. I don't think they have an answer, pick and roll for Morant. Uh, I think uh, Minnesota wins that series. Probably, I'm sorry, Memphis wins that series. Probably in five games. I think Minnesota's probably still celebrating from the other night, man. They uh, they act like they won the Super Bowl. That was pretty crazy. Did you make any Milwaukee either to sweep or minus two and a half bets in their series against the Bulls? I, I'm smart on one hand because I laid the two and a half games even money. I didn't put enough down. Good I really you. that was such a bad line. Oh, it, it, it's almost like a hanging curveball where I, it was too good to hit. I almost I, I took the pitch not knowing what to think. I mean that was a a brutal line minus two and a half plus a hundred. I think it's like minus two dollars now. I'd be shocked if the Bulls got more than a game. Now, look, if you're up three zero, sometimes you punt on a game or, or just don't come out with that intensity. So anyone can win one game, but uh, seeing the Bulls win more than one is just really hard. For me to see, barring some sort of an injury, the gentleman sweep is one of the great terms in uh, yeah. in pro sports when you uh, just sort of punt on one game to win it four to one. Um, back at home, I should say. The, the thing you said about the Hawks, though, I just want to seize on that before we move on to baseball, because I, I I did ask this earlier. If you take the Nets out of all of these playing teams, seven through ten, like what's the team that that one believes could make the most noise if they got to the first round of the playoffs? And for a lot of people, the answer isn't Clippers or T-Wolves. For a lot of people, the answer is actually Hawks. You seem to be of that camp. Yeah, I mean, for whatever the experience last year was, like I said, two wins away from the finals. They were a five seed. You know, they beat Philly. They won three games in Philly in that series. They buried the Knicks. Pretty competitive against Milwaukee. Uh, and Miami's not that kind of team that's going to blow you away. They play, you know, a slow pace. They're not great offensively, especially in the half court. Uh, now, look, Atlanta, they're a nine seed for a reason. They have their flaws defensively. But that's a series where I could see that being, you know, 2-2 two, two after four, 2-1 two, after three in terms of, you know, Atlanta, you know, steals a game somewhere. Uh, I'd be curious to see what a series price on that one's going to be because I think Atlanta could make some noise. All right, baseball today. We got some day games. I love the day games, man. They should do this every single day in Major League Baseball this time of year. Uh, not a whole bunch of day games, but just a few. Um, where are you going today in Major League Baseball? I know you always have a baseball better, too. I took the Blue Jays' first five. I think we've seen some of the flaws here with the Yankees in terms of the lineup. They just have two dead spots. Now, we're only a weekend, but Higashioka and Kiner Falefa, the bottom of that order, is just a disaster. <laughs> uh, I mean, they're playing this kid at shortstop. He's not going to be there for long because they've got big-time players in the minors. Uh, if only there were some free agents they could have signed this winter to improve that position with Correa, Seager, Story, Simeon. Uh, this kid really can't hit the ball out of the infield. And, you know, it's a weird lineup with the Yankees where they don't have enough 
slots for all their guys every single night either Torres LeMahieu last night Stanton they don't have enough player like positions it's a weirdly constructed team I don't like the bottom of the lineup uh, I think the Blue Jays have a better lineup I think the Blue Jays have a better starting pitcher tonight going with Gossman Severino I'm going first five just to avoid the bullpen because the Yankees are pretty good in the bullpen so uh, Blue Jays first five is a play for me, and boy, what a display that was last night with Guerrero! My goodness, you know he, that second home run he hit was 98 inner half, and he turned on that. It was the amazing. Sound that thing makes incredible. It was amazing. He was jammed, and somehow yeah. he managed to get it over the left field fence. I think the next one was like 447 or something, where he actually had some extension. But that one where he was jammed was just incredible. He instantly made me regret every other MVP bet I met I made before the season. I'm just like, why? Why didn't I? What? what who am I thinking? Ridiculous. Yeah, he only had one come. Only had one were a week in, but what he went from one to four last night, right? And he also had a double. That's uh, that was incredible. Yes, also had a double in there. Got his hand stepped on by Aaron Hicks at first base last night. Just an incredible performance from Vladimir Guerrero Jr. I wish he had had a, an opportunity to hit a fourth. Uh, you have another pick today as well, besides the Blue Jays' first five. Yeah, I played the Mariners with Gilbert. Uh, I just, I really like Gilbert as a pitcher. I really like the Mariners. If you could still get them plus money, I don't know if these markets are still available. Mariners to make the playoffs. I really like, you know, obviously they got Ray and he got rocked last night by the White Sox, but Ray at the top of the rotation, their bottom of the rotation is really good with Gilbert. Uh, I don't know if you guys have seen Brash. Brash's stuff is nasty. Yeah. He throws 99 with a funky motion, a really good breaking ball. Uh, I really like the bottom of the Mariners rotation. I, I know Rodriguez is off to a slow start and, they were kind of a fade team for people because of the run differential last year. But I think the Mariners are going to be pretty good. I think they're going to make the playoffs. Uh, I laid the, I think it's minus 108, minus 110 something today with uh, with Gilbert with the Mariners. Parlay and I were talking before the show. Jet, uh, Mets should be 7-0, and huh? Should be 7-0. and Mets should be 7-0. Mm. Yeah. There was the Phillies five-plate game, and then there was the, uh, the we'll just sort of punt on this game and we'll get our, our reliever some work game. From Buck Showalter as well. Giants on pace to win 107, Will, though. I just want to point that out before we go. Yeah, Jeffrey, I saw on eBay, Jeffrey put up his Trevor Williams jersey. He's upset with Trevor Williams. He is upset with Trevor Williams. <laughs> He's very upset about it. Will Hill, everybody. Again, hey, the guys. New York City cast. Thank you, Will. Appreciate it, man. Appreciate it, guys. See ya. At not the Will Hill, two E's on the V on the Twitter machine. We'll come back unscripted with the crack man who's hanging out in Hilton Head trying to make us all jealous. It's next right here on the Numbers Game at Visa, the Sports Betting Network.